Blog Talk Radio. This is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. I'm here. I guess I'm alive, and I guess everything is okay. Mike is having a problem, and I tried to get him in on the host line, which I am host, and that wasn't working. And now I'm trying to see if we can't hook up to YouTube. I don't know. Uh I was typing something, sorry. Uh, he was trying to get on. He couldn't get in. He's been trying for the last 15 minutes to try to get in. And it wouldn't let him in. So I said, well, come on in on the host line, and I'll call in on the guest line. And we've done that before. I've had to do that before because I was having problems. And now it's his turn. He's having problems. I tried to call in on the guest line, and the problem with that is is that that line is no longer in service, and I think that's the problem that he's running across on his end also. Uh, so we're not getting uh, any, uh, let's see, okay. Uh, yeah, he said he tried to call the guest line. He couldn't get anything. Uh, no ring, no answer. I tried to call the guest line and said it wasn't in service, and... I asked him. He usually hooks up Facebook and YouTube. He can't unless he's on. He's not on. He can't, so no Facebook or YouTube. But this will go in archives. And if you're listening tonight, then you're listening live. You're probably one of very few are listening live because we get a lot of listeners on Facebook and YouTube, but not too many through the blog itself. So... It will be on archives. We'll be bouncing up into archives, and everything will be on archives. So we won't have to worry about that. <laughs> but it's been a problem. YouTube does, our uh, Blog Talk Radio does this to us every once in a while. I was having problems a while back getting on and doing stuff, and I, it would cut me off in the middle of the conversation, or it would cut me off in the middle of a interview or something I was saying, and Mike would say, hey, you're not there. And I would come and call back in on the landline, on the guest line, and it would work. And so we tried to get him on doing that tonight, and he can't. He's been 
cutting out. You don't notice it every week, but for the last, what, month, two months, we've been having a problem with him, too, uh, about a quarter till, ten till, just about every show, Mike disappears. He gets cut off from the programming and has to call back in. You don't really notice it because I'm used the one that's talking all the way through all this, and you don't get a chance to hear him disappear. But it has been happening. I don't know what it is. It's something on Blog Talk Radio, though, because this is all through Blog Talk Radio, and they're the ones that control the connections and the guest calling lines and all that. And they're out in New York City. So maybe, and it just now dawned on me, maybe it's a weather situation. Maybe it's a weather problem. I don't know about that either. I call in when I do this host. I'm actually calling in also. But I'm calling in through a feature called Direct Connect. And the Direct Connect, I think, bypasses different things. And it hooks me right in there. It might be through fiber optics or something else. I'm not sure. But. Either way, bottom line is, you got me. We don't have Mike unless for some reason he can join us later or if he can get through. I don't know, uh, but uh, we'll see. And uh, if he can get through, great. We will be more than happy to have him join us. But if he can't get through, then we'll go without him tonight and we'll see what's happening. Uh, hmm. Uh, well, he wrote me another okay. I'm using the BTR player like a listener and streaming that through the YouTube and Facebook. Okay, very good. So he is hooking up the YouTube and Facebook. So those of you who do listen to YouTube and Facebook or uh, when it shows up on the screen on Facebook, which is always a good thing, and then YouTube holds it in there, you can listen to that. So, well, very good, Mike. Thank you. He's He is out there listening. He's He's sending me stuff. Yeah, he just hooked up to Facebook because every time he hooks hooks up to Facebook, my phone dings. And my phone just dings, so it went through. So, hello, Facebook people. Welcome to the show. We are having ourselves some te- uh, technical difficulties on mics, and that's why you're a little bit late. And But you, uh, wow, six minutes after already. So, uh, that's why you're a little bit late, but it is here. We will be putting it on there it's for some reason the guest calling line is messed up so if you want to get a hold of us tonight you can't the guest calling line is not letting anybody call in because we both tried and it says the line is no longer in service which is ridiculous it has to be in service because it's supported by blog talk radio so but as you know electronics that's what happens we run across situations all the time like I was saying a little bit earlier, I've been cut off quite a few times in the middle of conversations. Mike's been, well, last couple of months he's been cut off quite a bit toward the end of the show. Since you don't listen to him directly like you do me, you probably don't notice it, but it's it's been happening. And then he couldn't get in tonight for some reason. It wouldn't pan, it wouldn't let him come in, it wouldn't let him get past it. And so we tried to switch around, and that wouldn't work. The guest calling line is down uh, for some reason. So there we are. I'm glad to see that YouTube and Facebook are are streaming, though. Mike, good job. And if uh, he does join us, then he can jump in any time. But I don't know. The way this is working, and again, I'll say it might be something to do with the weather. 
up in the northeast. We don't know. Welcome to All About Wine, uh, the show that's all about wine. We are live. It is Thursday, February the 10th, 2022. It is 7.08 p.m. Eastern Time, so that's our live time. We are available on archives and other platforms. You can go and listen to us on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, we're up there on both of these. I don't know. I, I don't know. This is too bad. Mike, if you're hearing me, uh, send me a, a message to my answer on this. But does YouTube or Facebook, I, I know YouTube probably does, but does Facebook keep us uh, episodes, past episodes on archive? Or do they just stream it live like when we do it on Thursdays and then throw it in the trash? I'm, I don't know. I don't know what happens on that. And I think YouTube has archived episodes, but... I'm not sure about Facebook, but if you're looking for archived episodes, we are available on All About Wine. He says they are on our show page. Okay, there you go. So you can go to our show page, uh, All About Wine show page in the video section. You can pick up archive there. Thank you, Mike. He is listening to me. Um, thank you. I, I wasn't sure about that because, honestly, I don't go back and listen. To, if I'm going to find it, look at or review a show, I'll usually go to our homepage and just look at uh, All About Wine BTR and, uh, okay, yeah, on Facebook, it's in a video section, uh, All About Wine BTR and .com and find everything I want right there. So that's usually my source for this show if I'm reviewing something or trying to find something. Everything is available on that, though, all 12, 13, almost 13 years. Obviously, we started in 09. This is 22. Yeah, almost 13 years. Or, let's see, 9, 10, 11, 12. Yeah. Yeah, 13 years. I was thinking weird there. So, if you do want to listen to anything, everything's on that. Got some information for you tonight, as always, no guests, uh, which is probably a good thing tonight because of the technical difficulties. But um, I got some information, and uh, let me go check these things I want to tell you. I will, this is a, a verbal note to Mike, I will check back on this chat every once in a while. So if you uh, are sending me anything, I... I will check it periodically to see if you are there or if you have anything to say. And you can chat with us, too. Everyone can chat. Go to the the uh, uh, Facebook page and go into the, the chat, and you can chat with us there. So uh, if you have any questions or any comments or anything, you can always go through Facebook and get a hold of us. And... Uh, Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no stuff emoji. Uh, so we are. Uh, we are. Let's see. Let me go on and start getting this stuff done here and all that. Usually, usually Mike and I chit chat for a while and find out what's going on before the show and then during the show, he always adds his wonderful insight to whatever we're talking about but today 
he's unable to hook up, which is a pain, I know, because I went through it too. And you're you're getting so frustrated, and as you get closer to the show time, you're going, "What's going on here?" And you're you know, you just and so it is rather irritating to say the least. Okay, let's see what we got here. First thing, and these are random things that I found here that uh, share with you tonight. Uh, related to wine and not everything is you don't have to be a a wine drinker to enjoy them Uh, just information that about wine and the world and what's going on with it and everything else so I've had some people tell me that uh, well I don't drink wine I said okay well you can still listen to the show I mean it's it's not a requirement that you have wine where you're listening although I do but at means you don't have to. Speaking of I do, I'm having a 2019 Old Soul, S-O-U-L, Old Soul, estate-grown Cabernet Sauvignon out of Lodi. It's produced and bottled by Old Soul Vineyards in Lodi, California. Uh, gluten-free, vegan-friendly. Uh, duh. Uh, and then it's got the government warning on there, 13.7% alcohol by volume. And that's it. That's all it says. Uh, they do have the certified green stamp on it, which with all the different things that they have out there now, uh, it's it's always nice to be certified something. There's a certified green, uh, which I'm not sure what that is. Now, see, there's something that Mike usually does, too. When I say I'm not sure what that is, he usually starts digging through the computer and finds what certified green means. He might even do that now since he's listening. I'll, I'll check back periodically and see if he does make a note to me. Okay, so uh, it is Old Soul Cabernet Sauvignon. Pretty nice. It's It's got some nice um, plummy nose to it, a plummy flavor. I mean, it's just amazing. Sometimes you can pick out things, and this has just jumped right out at you. Nice plumminess. A little bit of oak. I think the hulk was there to cover up the acid, because the acid just sort of lingers all over the place. And the oak will help cover up the acid a little bit. So I think that's why the oak is there, just to try to tone down the acid in it. But it is a nice wine. I think it was... Seventeen dollars, something like that. I'm not sure exactly, but it, it very pleasant. Uh, this is the 2019. We've had the 2018 before, and it was very good. And so we picked up some more. And the 2019 is right there with it uh, as far as quality goes. So if you happen to see, this is the Cabernet Sauvignon. I don't know what else they make. I, I bad habit of mine. I grab a bottle of wine, I start drinking it, and I don't look up the website. And I really shouldn't make a habit of doing that, but. If I can remember, I will. But this is uh, a state growing Cabernet Sauvignon out of Lodi, uh, 2019 Cabernet Sauvignon. Okay, so very nice wine. That's why I will be imbibing on it. If you say, I'm almost done with it. I opened it earlier, and I'm almost done. Iron deficiency in the soil, they're saying, is beneficial to wine. And that's an interesting. And the reason it's caught my eye is because I had soil at the vineyard checked, and 
they said I was low on iron. So I got iron and sprayed into it. And it did help. It it, it perked up the, the vines a little bit. If you really want to, you really want to perk up trees or lawn or something, iron will do it every time. I, it's amazing. I worked for a pest control company a number of years ago, many years ago, and a lawn spraying. And I would spray lawns, and there would be a whole bunch of Spanish moss in trees. And uh, if you're not familiar with Spanish moss, old Louisiana plantations were all that moss hanging down from trees. That's Spanish moss. It doesn't hurt the trees or anything. It's just an old grayish color. If you spray that Spanish moss with iron, it turns a nice, real bright green. Uh, it Really, that iron just perks it right up. And that's what happens to the vineyard, too. You start spraying the, the leaves and the, uh, the plants are even around it and all that. And it picks up that iron. It really changes the, the leaves. And they're saying here that iron deficiency can has a positive can have a positive effect on the resulting wines. Uh, this is a recent study out of Spain. It was conducted by the Viticulture and Onology Research Group at the University of uh, Valladolid in Placencia, and it found that iron cirrhosis. Uh, often seen as leaf yellowing and dry climate unirrigated vineyard sites can have a positive effect. They examined 20 unirrigated Tempranillo vineyards. Now, these are vineyards, not just plants, but vineyards. Uh, around uh, the Ribera uh, de Duro wine region of northern central Spain and found that iron deficiency... Uh, in the growing season, uh, it actually advanced grape maturity, which improved the ripeness. And iron deficiency is sometimes linked to water stress. Another major factor is moderate to low iron deficiency was a discernible reduction in grape wine pH, which lower pH gives you higher acid levels which generally leads to a better overall wine balance and better color and improved uh, sensory perception, improved nose. So they're saying overall that if you have a little bit of iron deficiency in your soil or within the grapes, it is good. It will end up giving you overall a better balanced, better color, and better aromatic wine. So... There you go. That that was that's something new. I I n never had heard of that before, and that's something that just uh, just caught my eye on this one screen here. Okay, so let's get out of this one and check and see. Oh, here. Okay, Mike did see he's on top of this stuff for me. Certified green. He's the only find references to sip certification and we've talked about SIP before. He said the process is rigorous based in science of voluntary and third party accredited and audited. Uh, we've talked about SIP before in the past. It is a tough, tough certif uh, certification to get. He goes on to say certified is a rigorous sustainable vineyard and winery certification with strict non-negotiable requirements 
committed to standards based on science and expert input, independent verification, transparency, and absence of conflict of interest. So that's what uh, that's what this is here. Right? It's very hard to read this. Very very hard. Oh wait a minute! I got my uh, low dive rules. It says sustainable sustainable wine growing low dive rules certified green. So that's a tough certification. There are lots of them out there. A lot of certifications when it comes to growing, and wine has their share of them too. So thank you, Mike. Appreciate that little emoji thumbs up for you there. Uh, let's see, where am I? Oops, not here. Uh, no. Okay, here we go. We talked to a wine creator, a, a VinoVest News, uh, Carl Roskamp, uh, a while back, and I get emails from him periodically. Uh, and tell me about what's happening with VinoVest and the trading platforms and uh, put money into wine and its futures and things like that. And he's uh, he sent me this latest one here that said, fine wine market finishes on a record high. Uh, says that the uh, investment in 2021 on fine wine gave a 23% return, whereas the Dow Jones gave a 21.45, NASDAQ 18.7% return, uh, Nike 17.8%, Johnson & Johnson's 11.4%, DAX 7%, uh, Amazon 2.4%, Walmart 2%, gold took a drop of 3.61 percent in 2021. So, fine wine. If you've got the money to invest, this. Uh, if you're investing in the market, you have the money. I mean, as simple as that. Fine wine is giving you a better return than the market is, and it has in 2021. I don't know how it's going this year, but if you are interested in doing some investing in fine wine, it is still. You can get into it any time. It's still possible. Uh, you can get a hold of uh, Carl. I couldn't think of his name. Here it is. Carl. You can get a hold of Carl, and he will be happy to talk to you about all that. You can send a email, or not an email, but you can get a hold of him at his website, carl at vinovest.co, C-O. Uh, V-I-N-O-V-E-S-T, Darrell at vinovest.co. And he will, I'm sure, be happy to talk to you about it and tell you what's available and uh, get you get you going in the right direction on that. But right now, wine is, uh, fine wine is a good investment. They are still making some great wines out there, and they're not getting any cheaper, and that's what you look for in your investment. So I want to tell you about that. And let's see, I had something else. Uh, and the, no, Jeff from the underground. We talked to Jeff, too, 
about uh, the underground cellar. And if you have not checked that out, that's worth checking out also. Uh, you can uh, say unique way to do stuff. You buy a bottle of wine at a fixed price or however many bottles of wine you want to buy at that fixed price, and they upgrade you. Uh, they upgrade quite a few different bottles. For example, they have one here. You can buy a $100 bottle of Cabernet, which is worth $100. They don't try to cheat you on that. But then they're upgrading 99% of them. Uh, so that $100 bottle of Cabernet could be upgraded to a $300 bottle of Cabernet, and their top upgrade is $2,600. So you could be one of those that gets one of the top upgrades. It's a unique system, and it works. They are exploding with business. They're expanding and doing all sorts of stuff. So check that out. They, he was the guest on the program, and I, I don't know how long ago. That's something else that... Um, Mike might be able to look. Oh, here you go. Uh, VinoVest. Uh, I just talked about the HTTPS semicolon backslash backslash www.vinovest. V-I-N-O-V-E-S-T-C-O. That's the one I was just talking about before this one. And this is undergroundsellers.com. Underground seller, not S, but underground seller. U N D E R. G-R-O-U-N-D-C-E-L-L-A-R.com. And he was a guest. You can go back and look on the date. Uh, or look, look him up when he was on. And he explains it all and how it works and everything else. And you don't have to have it shipped to you. They store it. You pay storage fees. Once you get yourself a case, you can then have the case shipped to you or shipped anywhere you want. It just It's really a pretty good idea. If you have money and you want to put it into some good wines and have a chance to increase your investments and get much better wines, this is a great program. Uh, you can you know, find wines on the list that are $35 and chances of getting those upgraded to $100 are good. I mean, you can buy yourself a case of something and end up with with a lot of upgraded wine. So it's well worth the investment. Again, I referred to a previous program, Underground Seller, C-E-L-L-R, undergroundseller.com, and you can uh, do it. Okay, here we go. Mike just noted December the 15th of this last year. Uh, underground seller with Jeff Shaw. So again, go back into your archives, go on the website, check it out. I think it's the easiest way. But December the 15th, and Jeff explained the whole program and everything. Very good way to uh, to get some upgrades. Try some wines. Actually, try some wines that you wouldn't normally pick up. I mean, if, if you're going to get a $35 bottle of wine and they upgrade you to 100 you're usually not going to jump out and buy a $100 bottle of wine. But for $35, it's worth it. So something to check out there. Uh, thank you, Mike, for that date. I appreciate that. Okay, let's see what else we've got here. Okay, this is done, and uh, okay, that's done. 
I need to get a hold of Michael Lavelle. Michael Lavelle, I think, is the head of of uh, Black Enterprises, the founders of the Black-owned wine label, uh, Michael Lavelle. And I put an email into him. I haven't heard back. I'm going to try to call him and see if I can get through to him. But it is uh, four, four, looks like, uh, yeah, four black men created Michael LaBelle Wines, and they're the youngest black wine brand owners. And I've been trying to get a hold of them to get one of the four onto the show t- so we can talk to them, but I haven't been able to. I received an email from right at the first of the year, and I was hoping to get a hold of them for now, but I haven't been able to. But I won't give up. I will keep trying. So, okay, so let me go over to this other here. Let me peek at this one and go over here. Warming planet makes better wine. What? Can't be true. They're saying, oh my gosh. Warming plants going to destroy grapevines. Well, this article, dated actually this past Monday, says that the changing climate is proving challenging, but it means that the grapes are ripening more easily. The grapes aren't struggling to, to ripen. They're moving right along. This it says that Climate change has actually been one of the biggest threats to the planet since, well, since COVID, or including COVID. But we are in a sweet spot where wine is concerned, our grapes, actually. The climate warms to an unprecedented level, which means that we are making better wine, actually better wine than ever. Uh, it's been one of the hottest centuries on records, with uh, global temperatures averaging one degree Celsius warmer than the average for the last 150 years. But that doesn't mean that it's all bad. In fact, uh, the 10 warmest years on record have all occurred in this century uh since they've been keeping records so you know i mean i suppose you can go back further or something but all of them have occurred in this century and the 2021 is the seventh consecutive year where global temperatures have been more than one plus degree uh above pre-industrial levels so what does that mean to wine well actually Despite the increased warm weather, the quality of each vintage has improved over the last 20 years. Wow. A look at the new vintage charts illustrates this nicely. Uh, speaking of new vintage charts, uh, Wine Spectator has the uh, latest vintage chart in it, although they have it on a page, which they usually used to print it on a little detachable postcard or something, or a two-page spread in color or something. This one's just one page. They've they've gotten cheap on it. Uh, I really like the two-page color one that they used to do. It was really nice and easy to follow. And I used to cut it out and laminate it and refer to it for the whole year. But I guess I can still do it with this one. But the uh, new uh, new vintage chart is out in Wine Spectator. So if you do get the Wine Spectator, 
uh, it's there if you don't you go out and pick it up. A look at a new vintage chart illustrates nicely that the broken down regions and the price brackets and the vintages are all rated according to the scores and uh, by different wine creeps and stuff. And these scores on average uh, give you a, a vintage rating on each one. And it says what is clear is that the rating for each vintage are improving as we go deeper into 2021 or into the 21st century. And they're improving across all levels of wine, not just wines that are high-end or anything. They're saying everyday bottle of wine, uh, which they're saying up to $40. Most people won't go that high for an everyday, although you should. You get a lot more quality. But everyday bottle of wines up to super fine at $340 are, have improved in quality in the 21st century with consistency. Uh, the top-end vines, uh, wines will always have higher scores and therefore will be what people compare it to. But then the everyday wines are improving in their scores, too. Uh, it's not just expensive ones that are showing a quality boost, but it's all wines are showing a quality boost. Now, here's a good example of the fact that 2019 was the next to the warmest year on record. 2016 was the warmest uh, over the, well, ever. But in the last 10 years, the warmest, uh, the 10 warmest years on record, 2016 was the warmest, and 2019 was the uh, last one on record that they have on this, and that was the second to the warmest. So they are, they're saying, and it goes on and gives you samples here, and I don't need to give you samples because, hey, you believe what I say, I don't need to prove it all to you here. So these scores are improving as the years go by. I have some old vintage charts, and the vintage charts show scores on them. I guess it wouldn't hurt for me to dig all those out and start comparing some scores and see what happens over the years. I, there's other factors. There's mitigating factors. I understand that, and I can allow for that on some of them. But I will try to remember that and do that. That might be an interesting Interesting display of what is happening on, on the scores, although judging and stuff like that will have factors too. But the warming is going to help improve the wine. Wow, that is, and we're always concerned about what's going to happen with warming, but yeah, it looks like it might be a good thing. Okay, biochar. I've spoken of biochar in the past. Biochar is when you burn stuff and try to make charcoal, which is basically charcoal. I mean, uh, uh, trees and roots and leaves and branches and and grass waste and all that stuff. And you burn this stuff, and it helps make a uh a a compost that uh, a charcoal yeah charcoal is probably the best way to put it just like bits of charcoal uh and it's used to really really help the vineyard this is in Napa Valley biochar is often made with vines pulled from area vineyards 
but it's also a good way to get rid of woody material from forest areas considered to be fire risk. There are multiple ways to make biochar, ranging from low to high tech, but each requires the material to be heated up with minimal oxygen in order to sequester the carbon into the little black chunks. So that's basically biochar. You, you put that, and then you spread it around the vineyard, and it helps, and it helps a lot. Biochar is really a good thing. It's a good way to put oxygen and uh, stuff back into the soil, and it helps the plants, and it does all sorts of stuff. Again, I've done a show on biochar. I've talked about it and how it's done and what it's about and all that. Uh, uh, and again, I don't remember when. I want to say a year or two back, but it might be more, it might be less. I lose track of, of the times on those. But biochar is starting to really hit Napa Valley. It's uh, different vineyards there are starting to do more and more biochar and putting it around the vineyards and all that. And <coughs> me. Uh, it's used for compost and it's used to uh, keep the moisture in the ground and all sorts of things. And it's pretty simple to do it yourself. And that's one cool thing about biochar. You just heat it up and, and burn it off and you've got yourself some, uh, some charcoal, some biochar. So, like I say, a past episode, you can go look in archives, and it will be there to show you. Uh, all right. No, this one is interesting. This, is, this news here I'm reading here just came out today. This is new stuff. I uh, uh, That's just recently come out. Female wine growers. Pregnant are really facing a conundrum. Here's an example. This is a little short thing. Well, I'm going to go through this. It's happening causing a stir on social media. The message posted by Champagne wine grower Matilda Savoy is anything but the distress call of a pregnant woman. It illustrates the deeper issue of a lack of skilled labor and the burden of red tape in the wine industry, she said. Uh, she stopped pruning a block of 3.4 hectares of vines on Friday, January the 28th, to speak in a video post on Instagram. And that was the eve of her giving birth. Yeah, the 29th, January 29th, she uh, had her baby. And she said initially turning to the the Marne Recruitment Agency for replacement, the farm worker she was sent has not been back to work for two weeks. They just abandoned her post. And so she's saying for little small vineyards and stuff where they have a woman working on it, and it's, it gives them a whole new set of problems when she becomes pregnant. And so she's trying to get the French government to take a closer look at this stuff and see what type of contingency plan that they can come up with. A qualified worker uh, took over on February the 2nd for her, and he's been working so far the whole month. Or he's supposed to work the whole month. And she says 
her situation has been resolved, but there are so many other broader issues that recruiting quality workers for the wine industry and all over the place. And hers just really came to light when she was pregnant and had her baby, and she just couldn't do it anymore. So uh, the she's advocating for a a better training in vineyards and apprenticeship and areas like that so that it will not be an issue of someone needs someone, even for temporary, having a, a temporary agency for vineyard where people qualified for that and all. So we'll find out. But that just caught my eye that she was out in the field one afternoon and the next day she had her baby. Uh, let's see. Okay. So, uh, my phone dinged. I thought maybe Mike had sent me a, a note. A French wine grower. And this I thought was very interesting. He said, uh, well, he is Andre Banol. And he wrote an open letter to the French Institute of Vine and Wine, IFV is what it's called, and also to the French Ministry of Agriculture. And in his letters, he made a plea for the relaxing of restrictions on the use of genetically modified crops, GMOs, if you will. As... It was first covered in the vitosphere. Benal made a case for gene editing as a way to get rid of harmful pesticides. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not against GMO myself. If if used in, in a situation like this, what you can do is you can genetically cut out. It, CRISPR is, I think, more of what I am an advocate of than just GMOs themselves. And CRISPR is you just actually cut out part of the genome that is the one that affects certain things. So you can you can isolate and cut out the part of the genome that is susceptible to Roundup or glyphosate. And if it is not going to react to it, then it's not going to kill the plant. And so you can spray and the glyphosate or Roundup, if you will, will kill everything but not the plant because it doesn't have that gene in there. It doesn't have that DNA. So that's the way to do it. And as it's, I, I have to share this a little bit with you, too. I found an old Friends of the Earth magazine. I was, I was cleaning out stuff. I'm doing some early spring cleaning, and this Friends of the Earth had an article on gene splicing, and they were against it. They said, oh, this is horrible, this is terrible, it's going to it's going to affect our crops all over the place, and it's, you know, we, we really shouldn't do this and everything else. And, and this was dated 2010. This is 12 years ago. So it was an issue that they were talking about in 2010, about crop issues, GMOs, and all that. I found some other articles that I saved, and it was all dated around 2010, and they were all talking about GMOs, and the same things we're talking about now. It's just in global warming and stuff, and 
you know, we're 12 years later and absolutely nothing has changed from these articles. It's just, it's amazing. But they would simply receive genes for resistance to crypto gamic diseases, he said, without losing either their oceanoleptic characteristics, organoleptic characteristics, or their surname. So what he's saying is, do this, and it would still be the Cabernet Sauvignon and taste like a Cabernet Sauvignon and smell like a Cabernet Sauvignon just because you kept it from being resistant to different bugs and different diseases and stuff like that. And that's really what he's saying. Um, the Secretary of General Assembly of Europe wine region said, according to... Arnold uh, Toneri, the 50% reduction by 2030 in the use of uh, phytosanitary products are requested by Europe within the framework of the Green Deal is impossible without recourse to genetics. Other countries like the United States and Israel are already using it to release new varieties, so we shouldn't miss the boat. Simple as that, Europe problem in Europe, NTGs, or uh, 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 I just had what the NTGs were, Uh, genetic, uh, genetic spicing, basically. NTGs, oops, where are we, have been subject to the same regulations as GMOs since 2021, and it prohibits the deliberate release and placing on the market of GMOs, so you can't do it. But they're saying that uh, the United States and other countries have taken a much more laissez-faire approach to the use of gene editing compared to the EU, which has allowed them to bring plants to through traditional plant breeding methods uh, and working better. The UK has taken a similar stance toward gene editing. And just last month, China amended its rules to allow for fast track of gene edited grapes or crops. So it is happening. It is going through and all that, and it's going to go even faster. And so they're saying that the European Union, the EU, needs to get going on this and approve this, or else they're going to be left behind. So. That's the word. Just about everybody but the European Union is, is uh, allowed or is allowing gene editing and our CRISPR. And as the, they do, the more they do that, the more you're going to start seeing uh, a difference in the, in the grapes from France and Spain, those are areas in the EU, EU as opposed to other areas in the country. All right, let's see. What's the next one here? Uh, Let's see. Oh, this one is interesting. I'm going to read you this. This isn't real long, but I don't want to miss anything on this. And the whole thing is rather short, but it's an interesting little little article here. So let me let me check and be sure that Mike hasn't left me a note about something. No, he hasn't. That's okay. 
This is called Inside the Cardboard Chaos of Boxed Wine Awards. And this is written by a young woman by the name of Lauren Vinnepool. And she's a writer out of New York City. Uh, so... Uh, and a self-professed comedian. So if, uh, if this is funny, it's because she is a comedian. I want to call myself, and this is a quote, I want to call myself a boxed wine connoisseur, but I certainly slapped a bag or two in my college days. More recently, a friend of mine hosted an impromptu, quote, boxed wine tasting, end quote, that was, I was more than happy to attend. But that evening's sampling of Boda Box, Black Box, and Francia Pinot Grigios took a slight turn when I noticed the brands boosted a whopping 160 gold medals. Now, this was on just the three boxes, mind you. It wasn't even the morning after, and I already had a headache from trying to understand how a cheap boxed wine could attain more gold medals than Michael Phelps. There, I told you she was a comedian. More importantly, by alcohol industry standards, what does that even mean? Halfway into my third glass, I was determined to find the answer. I will get to the bottom of this. I dramatically promised as I disappeared into the night. Read that, got in a Uber. For an expert opinion, I turned to Keith Wallace, a winemaker, sommelier, and founder of the Wine School of Philadelphia who confirms that, quote, wine awards are always a bit fishy, end quote. Yeah, let me tell you. And although Frangia may be the biggest offender with 90 gold medals, box brands aren't the only wines guilty of exploiting a system where awards are far easier to get, Wallace tells me. I've talked about awards before, too, and how these wine judgings go. If you want to hear my opinion, you can find that too in a, in a past episode. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a big one on wine awards. I I will congratulate any wine we talk to that has a bunch, but I'm not one. I never was one to go out and try to get them myself. To continue, high end wine brands tend to highlight their ratings given on a complex 100 point scale by respected wine critics with reputations to maintain, whereas medals are usually awarded by organizations like the Pennsylvania Wine Association, which often hire PR firms to put on their pay-to-play wine competitions. Speaking of wine, let me take a sip of wine here. All right. That's a very nice wine. Get a chance get it. Old soul, S-O-U-L, old soul. Quote, to be considered, a winery has to submit their wines and pay a fee, which can be over $500 per label, Wallace says. There is a clear economic interest in giving out as many awards as possible. And I've said that on my program when I was talking about competitions there are some competitions where if you pay your entry fee, and 500 is a high. I never never saw any that high. I saw them 250 and 300, but I've never seen them up to 500. But if you pay your fee, they guarantee you a medal. 
they guarantee you a gold, silver, or bronze. And so it's basically like buying yourself a metal. So that's one of the reasons I'm not a fan of competition. To continue, oddly, the chaotic wine awards circuit that operates today comes out of the whole American State Fair tradition, explains Mary Burnham, which is Director of Public Relations and Events for Family Wines, who, by the way, makes the Boda Box wines. A kid would get the prize for the biggest pumpkin. A farmer would get a prize for the best cow, and eventually wine came into the mix and now is a significant part of many state fairs. And Florida State Fair, held just south of us in Tampa, is one of those. There's a big wine competition at that state fair. I never entered it. I was told I should on my port, but I never entered it. Those are huge competitions, Burnham says. The California State Wine Competition, that's a big deal. And if you get a award there, it's usually pretty prestigious. There's also the Sonoma County Fair. Likewise, a number of rodeos in Texas have wine competitions associated with them. I didn't know that. Those are really big deals in those communities, Burnham added. This surprisingly wholesome tradition ballooned into a sprawling system of nonsense when private companies got on the action, got in on the action. Like wine cellar production runs four different competitions. These contests usually have panels of four judges who conduct blind tastings for a number of categories. Quote, that said, every competition makes up their own rules about how the wines are judged. Maybe they don't have enough people to do a four-person panel. End quote. Burnham's saying that. The cardboard chaos continues from there. Competitions make up their own categories, which can range from the very general, like best Pinot Noirs, to the wildly specific, like best Pinot Noirs from the Santa Barbara region under $20. Similarly, a single company can enter multiple wines in every competition for multiple categories. Pay your fees. That's all it requires. And look again, like I said, I've seen fees as cheap as 10 20 20 is pretty common. I've seen them up as high as 300 uh, for every category and every, every one. And they also require more than one bottle. Now, if it comes to a box, I don't know if they require two boxes or what, but they require more than one bottle, anywhere from three to five. But here's where it gets truly nuts. Each wine is often only competing against themselves, meaning that as long as the judges like it, they can give all the winners, or all the wines, gold medals. So, typical practice is that everyone is judged individually, and there's no limit on the number of medals in a category that can be awarded, Burnham explains. And Wallace confirms that multiple bronze, silver, and gold medals can, can be awarded per competition category. So if you enter five times on one category, you can get five gold medals. 
conceivably. Nor does this stop there. In some competitions, if multiple judges agree on a wine, it can, be, it can receive a double gold medal. And oftentimes, the winners in each category will go, ahead, will go head-to-head for yet another award known as the sweepstakes winner. I've heard it best of show. I never heard it referred to as a sweepstakes winner, but I've heard it the best of show, which is, you know, basically the same thing. It's like a dog competition at best of show where they're doing wine competitions too, whatever I've heard. Not to mention there is no annual reset buttons for these awards. So it's not entirely shocking for companies that have been around for a half a century to have amazed dozens of gold medals. There you go. It's as simple as that. Uh, you don't have to... You don't have to start over each year and say, "Oh, I've only got three gold medals." You can, every every year you just add on to it. It's worth pointing out that bottled wines aren't above entering these competitions either. They just don't usually lead with it on their packaging. The move to do so is simply a marketing choice that's more popular among boxed wine brands. For Bodabox's part, instead of bragging about their gold medals, which Burnham says they have over a hundred of, they opt to lead with the award 50 Wine Enthusiasts Best Buys, a more competitive title because it's given by Wine Enthusiasts Magazine, which usually uses the 100-point scoring system. That's going to beat out a full medal handed out by four buzz judges at a radio every time. So there you go. That's that's why you're seeing some of these box wines that have on their winner of 58 medals or whatever. And you look on them. A lot of the box wines do tell you how many gold medals they have gotten. And it's a very popular thing to do. And so it's... Uh, you know, over the years, I've, you know, and it could, the wine itself could change over the years, although they try to blend it to be about the same all the time. So when you pick up a box of, well, let's say, Francie, you pick up a box of Francie Cabernet Sauvignon uh, two years ago, and then you pick it up last year, and then you pick it up this year, it's going to be basically the same. They try to keep it blended and balanced to be about the same. Not really blend so much, but it could be blended. And they don't disclose a whole lot of stuff on the box labels. They just, you know, expect people to, it's a box. What do you want? Which there are some decent boxes out there. I saw another article, and I was trying to find it. I kind of, I don't know what I did with it. But there was another article that I was looking at a couple of days ago talking about a $100 bottle of box wine, or a $100 box wine. $100 box wine. Uh, of course, it's going to contain three bottles, so that breaks down to only $33 a piece. You can almost justify that if that's good. But $100 for a box wine, it just, it, it, I think it rubs too many people wrong. It does me. I don't know, $100 for a box. I don't care how good that wine is. Just the fact that it's in a box makes you hesitant, makes you 
step back and think, wow, you know, $100 for a box, that's still $33 a bottle, but it's coming in a box. And so it gets scary. So whenever you see all these awards on these box wines, it's something to consider. If that's the reason you're buying it, oh, wow, look at this, all these awards. Consider the, the source of the awards because it doesn't always mean that that's great. And Wine Enthusiast Magazine is now listing box wines in their uh wine scores in the back of their magazines. I've seen them before. Uh, wine Enthusiast and Wine Spectator, I have had box wines and the scores on them. And I was surprised the first time I saw it, but why not? They're, they're decent wines. Uh, some of them are really, really not bad at all. I mean, I'm surprisingly good. And you know, you're not spending a whole lot of money. It breaks down to about, you know, Eight nine dollars a bottle. If you're getting a little bit more expensive ones, and some of them are a lot less than that, you can get the black box Cabernet Sauvignon for around seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Depends on where you get it. Anywhere from seventeen to twenty dollars a box, and there's three bottles worth in there. You're, you're looking at uh, anywhere from six to six to seven. You know even the less than five fifty to seven dollars a bottle equivalent good deal so but awards all over these box wines that really really surprised me when I saw that so let's see uh, uh let's see I've got a couple more quick ones here before I say good say goodbye uh Okay, I've got these taken care of. And let's see, let's go back to this and this and let's see. Well, I guess. Oh, there we go. U.S. Treasury pushes for alcohol reforms. This could be a good deal for consumers, but a bad deal for wineries and for brewers and for anybody that is making it. Uh, They're looking at dumping a three-tier system and sells from producers to retailers but then go through a profit taking wholesaler and I, you know it just I'll, I'll read the whole thing it, I, I thumbed through it and I read part of it and I was like this is sort of crazy I mean I, I can see it from both ends as a uh, having a winery and then also as a consumer and I, it's sort of crazy what they want to do with this so I'll read through it and I will share it with you next week because it's now eight minutes after four. Uh, eight minutes after four. Four minutes after eight. Boy, I didn't think I was dyslexic. Maybe I am. Uh, but Mike could never make it through. He tried right up to the, the very end here to 
get through. And he said, maybe next week. It usually happens to me too that way, Mike. I get myself cut off and I plug it in next week and it goes right straight through. But that doesn't mean it might not cut you off right in the middle of it. We know how that works. It's happened to both of us numerous times. So we'll see. But we are done with this week. What's coming up new here? You know what I haven't been doing? And I I have it now. I remember a couple years ago, I was telling you, let's see, is this it? I've got stuff all over my, my den here that's, that's crazy. That's what I haven't been doing. I haven't been telling you what wine holidays and different things like that are coming up. And I told you I was going to keep you on top of it this time, this year. And I made myself a calendar, and I have the calendar here, and I haven't been digging it out. Shame. But we got it here now. What holidays and things to do over the next week. So, today's the 10th, which is National Cream Cheese Brownie Day. Pick yourself up a nice wine to go with that. Tomorrow, National Make-A-Friend Day. Saturday, National Plum Pudding Day. Monday, National Pork, Pork Rind Day. And that's Super Bowl Sunday, by the way, or the big game days Sunday. Valentine's Day is on Monday, in case you have forgotten that. Tuesday, National Gumdrop Day. Wednesday, National Almond Day. And then next Thursday, National Cabbage Day before the show. The month of February is, as everyone's probably already know, African American History Month. Also, Bake for Family Fun Month, Canned Food Month, Chocolate Lovers Month, which corresponds very well with Valentine's Day, Great American Pies Month, Greek American Heritage Month, Irish American Heritage Month, and Hot Breakfast Month. So we have African American, Greek American, and Irish American Month for February. Um, and let's see what else we got here for this month. This is Delaware Wine Month, which we are in right now. Valentine's Day is also Wine Lovers Day. It's designated as Wine Lovers Day. And then next Wednesday is International Syrah Day. And in, in case I forget to mention it, next Friday, not tomorrow, but next Friday is National Drink Wine Day. So isn't that every day? So there we go. I will try to remember to bring those up every week. I keep forgetting. I've had this all prepared for the since first of the year, and here we're what the sixth week of the sixth or seventh week. I'm just now getting to it. So we are done for another week. Uh, sorry, Mike couldn't join us, although he was a help. He kept in touch and let me know what was going on and all that, which. Uh, he does a great job on that. Speaking of Mike, he listen to his radio show. It will be coming up Saturday morning and uh, on Jetstream Radio. It is six, uh, 
7 to 9, he will be on. So Jetstream Radio, you can just go to jetstreamradio.com. And uh, I don't know if we were talking about this. I, I don't know if you have to sign in. You can listen to it if you want to chat with him or if you want to make a request. You need to sign in. But you can just listen to it, jetstreamradio.com. And he plays a little bit of everything. Uh, so, yeah, you're welcome, Mike. He said thanks for the plug. I uh, haven't mentioned you in a while. Uh, oh, no sign-in is required. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, you can just go to it, and uh, you can request, listen to it, and all that stuff. So, cool. That uh, is jetstreamradio.com. And... Uh, that nine, or I keep saying nine, seven to nine is when he's on Saturday morning. Saturday morning, right? Yeah. Uh, I was thinking for some reason it was tomorrow morning. It was Saturday morning. Tomorrow's Friday. Okay. So um, check him out then. And have yourself a safe week, a comfortable week, a healthy week, and... Great time, yeah, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Saturday. Um, have yourself a wonderful week, a great week. Uh, be safe out there. Drink lots of wine, and we will see you next week on All About Wine. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine.